0: This episode includes some details of a sexual crime. Please take care while listening. When we lived in Mississippi and even
1: here a little bit, he'd take us fishing all the time. He used to take us out to where my grandfather used to fish um, all the time. We'd go to the little store. He'd pretty much, he did the same role as my grandfather did for me and my little brother Tim. And, uh, you know, we'd, we'd go up to T.G. Lee's, we get our little candy in our drink. We go out there, and there was a couch out there by the edge of the water. And he'd sit there and fish, and we'd sit there quiet, watch him, you know. And I mean, he always interacted with me when I he made a point to come see me because he, you know, worked and did all his family life as he needed. So he'd drop by my mom's every day, you know. First thing he'd do is the same thing I always did: we'd snag a bowl of cereal and sit there and talk in the kitchen. And you know, he'd take us out. Hey, let's go eat, or hey, you know, let's go over to my house, or. You know, or we just just hang at mom's and, you know, just chill out. He was always there when we needed him. You know, we we did have our arguments occasionally because essentially, you know, we're the same person. And it sucks because every time I look in the mirror, it's hard for me because we look very similar. He's just darker toned and his hair is black.
0: This is the story of how the 1999 murder of Joshua Hayes in Jacksonville, Florida, spun so far beyond anyone's expectations. Chapter 2, Gone Fishing. My name is Tristan Stewart-Robertson, and I've been working as a reporter in the UK for more than 20 years. In journalism, the how of a crime is something we have to report. And we have the who. Who was accused of the crime? Philip Harkins was accused of the murder of Joshua Hayes. And then he disappeared. But there is another who. And that person is central to this story. So who was Joshua Hayes? Josh's family have been very open and honest in talking about their lost brother, lost son. It is never easy, and I'm grateful for their patience in speaking to me, and with my reporting process. We heard first from younger brother Joseph. Josh was the oldest of Patricia's five children, followed by Corey, Elizabeth, Joseph, and Timothy. Josh had one son, Josh Jr., sometimes called J.J. or J. One common thing I learned from his family was Josh's love for fishing. Josh would sit all day at a fishing pond and be content, even if he didn't catch anything. He and his grandfather, Clyde Adrell Hayes, would make their own sinkers when he was growing up in Pascagoula, Mississippi. Today, nobody's entirely certain where that pond might have been. Josh's love for the sport continued when the family moved in 1989 to Mayport, a naval community that's part of Jacksonville. Patricia walked me through the photos and artifacts of Josh she has saved. They fill a corner of her home. One of the pictures is of Josh with a six pound something bass, and the fish is mounted on a wall.
2: A kid would come home. They used to call it Mr. Big Bass. And there were several of them trying to catch that fish out of that pond. Josh would run home every day from school and get his little rod and reel. If he ran out of bait that day, he got the can of corn and some bread. And he went over there and he brought it home. It was like a little challenge in the trailer park. Who was going to get that fish? He was so proud. So we had it mounted for him.
0: Josh was the outdoorsman. He would fish every day after school in spots around Mayport. Patricia said Josh would be outdoors instead of playing video games like his siblings. But Brother Joseph told me he did play video games the fishing ones on Sega Genesis. Josh tried to involve his brothers, particularly Cory. Josh was living with Cory when he died. Cory didn't pick up the outdoors skills. Josh tried to take him hunting once, and fishing didn't work. Josh told him he couldn't keep his mouth shut. If you can't keep your mouth shut, you can't catch no fish. Corey said.
2: Corey and Josh were very close. I mean, you've seen one, you've seen the other. But Josh was always a protector of Corey. He always protected Corey. Josh liked to smoke his weed. He didn't drink. He didn't like alcohol. You know, and he, he always protected Corey. It was always. If I would have ever thought one would have ever got killed... I would have probably thought it would have been Corey. Corey was more outgoing with the, the guys and everything. But Josh was, he was more of a setback. He loved to hunt. He loved to fish. He's more an outdoorsman, which Corey never got into fishing or hunting or anything like
1: that.
0: Josh was a Christmas baby. Patricia was 16 when she went into labor around 8 p.m. on Christmas Eve, 1976. At 4.49 the next afternoon, she gave birth to Joshua Keith Adrell Hayes, carrying one of the names of his grandfather. He weighed five pounds, four and a half ounces. And they nearly lost him when he was born. Patricia describes him as a miracle baby. He had a pinhole in his heart. He stayed under the care of a specialist until he was nearly six, when it closed by itself. There would be appointments in New Orleans. He would get sick all the time with a weakened immune system. He would need antibiotics days before mundane events such as trips to the dentist. Once the hole closed, He was able to enjoy football and baseball, though he couldn't overexert himself. There was shooting and archery, too, even with those Coke bottle-thick lenses to his glasses. In 1988, Patricia met U.S. Navy man Robert Gallagher. There was a whirlwind romance, and the family moved the next year when he was posted to Naval Station Mayport. The port is one of the biggest for America's surface vessels. The fishing trailed off after Josh met his girlfriend, Tracy, at the age of 12. He saw himself as her protector, and he acted as the protector for his siblings. And they were often together. Josh, Corey, and Elizabeth would go rollerblading in Mississippi and then Florida but Josh was also often on his own, happy in his own company, not in a crowd. He'd go into his mom's place and grab a bowl of Frosted Flakes. Patricia always made sure it was stocked in the cupboard. Josh would hit the kitchen first before sitting with her in the living room. Bowl of cereal in hand. Here's Joseph again. What other sort of Things do you, do you remember him liking or, or disliking?
1: Music was a big thing.
0: What kind of music did he you...
1: He was a big in the old country, you know, the old Tim McGraws and the old Garth Brookses and the you know, um, some Johnny Cash obviously. Just pretty much the older country. Um, he also listened to a lot of hip hop rap R and B from the nineties. That's pretty much what all of us listen to. Um, yeah, that was one of the things my mom taught us at a young age. You know, it doesn't matter what your car looks like, which his never looked great at all. All the ones he ever had were hoopdies, You know, they they were. You hear them coming down, but it's not because of the music. Um, but she said uh, it doesn't matter what it looks like as long as it sounds good. He had a car he used to start with a screwdriver. It's pretty funny. We called it the Green Green Bean. Um, I don't even remember. It had bench seats. It was the ugliest color of olive green you've ever seen.
0: Um, Man, that car was ugly. Josh attended Mayport Middle School and then Duncan U. Fletcher High School. Then he and girlfriend Tracy returned to Mississippi when she was pregnant with their son. The pair had been together since they were 12, Now they were aged 15 and about to be parents. Patricia's mom took custody of Tracy until Josh Jr. was born, at the same hospital as his dad had been 15 years earlier.
2: I mean, I questioned God back then. You know, why would you let a child have a child? But I think after Josh got killed, I got my answer because... I got a piece of Josh left behind. You were 16? 16 when I had Josh.
0: So you had an understanding.
2: Of what it was like.
0: How difficult was it for you at that age?
2: It It was difficult. But, I mean, it was a decision, you know, I had to make. I do not believe, you know, in abortions. And that was my child. And that was a gift of God to me. And the only thing is, you know, I guess we grow up a lot quicker than the generation today mm-hmm. because I took care of my responsibilities. You know, I had to go to work. And, you know, I wasn't like... You have a child like they do these days and drop them off on grandma, you know. My mom said, your responsibility, you make this decision, it's your responsibility, it's not mine, you know, and which was good though, really made me grow up quick.
0: Josh wasn't perfect. His mother is the first to admit that. Once in a blue moon, he and Cory would play tricks on their younger siblings, or mom. Like, when he was maybe 15 or 16, Josh got a dead snake off the golf course after a Walmart picnic, and chased his mom into the house and into the bathroom with it. He even threw it under the door. One time, he and Corey hid all the electronics in the house while Joseph was sleeping, then left a note saying, Some guard dog. Joseph slept through the whole thing. And like countless Americans, Josh had civil and criminal traffic violations. He picked up tickets and court proceedings between 1996 and 1998 for offenses such as expired registration Improper taillights, and no seatbelt. Josh might have kept to himself generally, but he also tried to keep Corey out of trouble. Josh had a big heart and tried to be his brother's protector, but that saw him get caught up in trouble himself. In February 1998, Josh was arrested for possession of cocaine. He pleaded guilty within a few weeks. The court imposed probation for 18 months, with special conditions to serve four months in Duval County Jail, with credit for 26 days served. He also had to do 100 hours of community service. But he was later picked up for violating his parole. Just before that, Josh Corey and another man, got involved with two underage girls. The men were charged with what was termed sexual battery of a child under the age of 16. Josh was 21. Corey was 19. The other man was 23. Patricia insists they believed the girls to be legal. Josh was involved with one of them the police summary states the victim had run away from home and met with Josh and the two other men. The language used in reporting such crimes has hopefully improved since 1998. At the time in this incident, cops described the victim, a child, as engaging in consensual sex numerous times and being sexually aggressive. Morally, and legally, a child can't consent. And Josh pleaded guilty on May 19, 1999. He was sentenced that day for the sex offence and for violating probation on the drugs charge. He was sentenced on both to about a year in jail, with credit for some time served. He was also sentenced to 100 hours of community service, and four years of sex offender probation. There is no suggestion anywhere that the battery case had anything to do with Josh's death. So why do I mention it? It is public information, and that public information allows me to report this story in full. But also, on the day Josh pleaded guilty, Philip Harkins was also in the same Duval County Jail. This was in May. In August, they met again at the boat ramp, where Philip allegedly murdered Josh. When Josh was murdered, Patricia's life changed. Family was always important to Patricia, even before Josh died. But at Christmas, a time when she should be celebrating Josh's miracle birth, she now just goes through the motions. There are other loved ones to focus on. Patricia just wants to pass that day away. Had Josh lived, he would have met his own granddaughter's. Lexi, who is now aged 10, and Jordan, who died at just six months. On Christmas Day, Josh's family continue to mark the occasion with his favorite foods Mexican and pumpkin pie. Patricia's grandchildren decorate her home at Thanksgiving, including a giant Santa statue that sings Merry Christmas and dances when you press a button. Christmas is for those grandchildren. Here's
1: Joseph again. You know, I don't know if my mom's mentioned it or if she would, but Christmas, you know, she does Christmas for the little ones. She doesn't do it for, you know, me or my brothers and sisters. You know, she, she puts on the biggest front that day and Christmas just isn't Christmas. You know, Josh was a miracle baby. He was born with a hole in his heart and, you know, he lived to be 22. So, I mean, that says something. And, uh, yeah, she just, she it comes and goes for her. It's, it's a hard day for her to make it through, you know. We all just throw on smiles for the little kids so they can see, hey, happy, joy, Christmas, all this good stuff, and give them a nice Christmas. But, you know, at the end of the day, my mom, she's just a shell.
2: I got my children. I got my grandchildren to think about. And I don't have the heart of Philip Harkins. My heart isn't cold. I value life. And, you know, I would never, ever even think of putting another family through what our family's been through. Because Josh, he's never recovered. Little Josh, never recovered. You know, he is... His life has just been pure hell.
0: Josh Jr. has struggled ever since his father was killed. Patricia took on raising him when Josh died. She said his son has good days and sometimes avoids the loss.
2: Jay was very, very much knowledgeable. Because like I said... And when we put him into therapy, um, the guy asked him, the counselor asked him, draw him a picture of what he felt happened. And he drew the boat dock. He drew a dead laying on the ground with a guy with a gun. And the guy said, Well, boy, do you feel your dad's at now. He flipped over paper and drew a picture of heaven, his dad sat on the cloud. And the counselor said, he's very aware to be so young of what happened. I said, "What well, could be discussions that he's heard us, you know, talk about now. He said, but he, he's very aware of it. He says, he feels that dad's in heaven. Because the first time me and Jay was going down to Boat Dock, and I picked him up from school, and I was asking about a school day, and he goes, Grandma, shh. I was like, boy, don't tell me. Sh-. He said, no, my dad's talking to me. I said, okay. So we get down to the boat dock and we're walking around. I said, so, Jay, what was dad saying to you? He said, he told me he was very proud of me to keep up the good work, to take care of you and mama, and things would be okay. I said, okay. So well, that's true. That's what he wants you to do. Well, a couple weeks later, I passed by his bedroom, and I heard him in there talking. I thought the little girl next door had come over he plays with. So I opened, cracked, and looked in there. and Said, "Shelly here?" He said, "No." I said, "Who you here talking to?" He said, "I'm talking to my dad." I said, okay, so I just shut the door. When we went to counseling again, I told the counselor, I said, look, I have a concern because in different situations, he's been talking to his dad, and the counselor looked at me. He says, who do we to say that his dad's not talking to him? And I said, I guess we can't.
0: It's not just the memory of Josh everywhere around his family. There have been omens, too, as Patricia calls them. That includes seeing a red cardinal. For some, it's a symbol of a visiting loved one. Josh's son, Josh Jr., and granddaughter Lexi have experienced some of those connections, and others. So has brother Joseph, He said they would be sitting on the couch and whenever Josh Jr. was visiting, the radio would turn on and volume go up when it went to Hot 101.5. That happened in Josh Jr.'s bedroom, too. Patricia said he told her that at night, his radio would turn on and play his dad's favorite music.
2: Now, me, I do believe in omens. I do and actually, Bob, he's always one. He never believed in people coming in, in signs or whatever. Bob called me, he said, come at work, he said, your friend's here visiting me. I said, what are you talking about, burn that? Because she lives right down the road. He said, no. He said, I never set my radio to music. He said, I just set it to the alarm sound. It just come on and was playing music and shut off. I said, Bob, don't be scared because they're not back. I said, it could be Josh talking to you. It, It could be Jordan, I don't know. I said, but it's a good spirit. But from then on, Bob's a true believer. But he used to tell me, he's you got him your mind thinking that you know there's signs and like when I go sit outside the red cardinals are always coming. They say red cardinals a sign of a loved one, you know, which I have all kind of them up there. And like Lexi, we have uh, when she was little, it's a little caterpillar, and we found it on the table. I said, well, let's put it in the bush, and it'll, it'll grow to be a butterfly. I said, because you know butterflies when they fly away, well, this is a sign of someone from heaven communicating with you. We're sitting out there one day this beautiful yellow butterfly flew by. And she goes, There's joy, there's joy. She's here visiting me. And every time, regardless if she don't know if it's the same butterfly or not, when she sees that a yellow in the butterfly, that's her baby sister. That's joy.
0: Josh's murder is ever-present for his family. But how he died is not what they focus on. Brother Corey has a tattoo of Josh on his right upper arm. Everyone in the family has that true tattoo, as Josh did. Corey told me he sometimes thinks about one Christmas when he was eight and Josh was ten. They had spent two years aspiring to get a Nerf skateboard. And when they got one, they took it to a hill. Josh lay down on the board to go down the hill and hit the ground, skinning his chin. Corey then copied him and skinned his too. But they had wanted that board for so long. Corey can only smile at the memory. I don't think about my brother's death memory You know, you know, I seen a lot that nobody did see. You know, I seen my brother, I was the second person to see my brother besides the police officer. And I couldn't believe what I seen. So therefore, I try not to, I don't, I definitely don't let that get to my head. But you know, like even at the funeral, I didn't, I might've went up to the casket one time you know, open casting and that was it. Because I, I what I seen last is, is a whole different person. Yeah, so I definitely um Yeah, I definitely don't think about that. Joseph's true tattoo sits in a cross with a ribbon wrapped around it. The cross says, Mom and the names of her five children in order. There's a blood drop at the bottom. He told me he feels he and Josh were the same person, from shunning crowds and keeping a few select friends to their appearance. When Joseph meditates, his happy place is sitting in the Pocono Mountains in Pennsylvania, looking down, over a pond.
1: If I'm if I'm turbulent, you know, the there's dark clouds rolling in, the weather's, you know, making the water choppy and stuff like that. Well, you know, as you calm down and sit, you know, you can see, you know, a figure sitting there fishing. I always believed it to be my brother after the fact, but I didn't know, and I still don't know who it is, but um, I guess I would say... There's a pond Joseph remembers um, in front of where they lived I at one point. Every day, picture.
0: Josh and would be out there fishing.
1: Fish and every time, you know, that's where I would see him. He'd always just walk all to, to all the ponds fishing. He'd spend the whole day out there. And he'd always come home with a smile, even if he didn't catch nothing. That made him the happiest thing in the world, was to go fishing. So that's where he is for me. It's always at the fishing hole.
0: Order Without End is reported by Tristan Stewart-Robertson, Liam Pollock is the producer, artwork by Jason Skinner, music by Dylan Anthony. Sources for this episode include multiple interviews, as well as court and police records obtained under access to information laws. Journalism like this might be free to listen to, but it isn't free to make. A murder without end was created without any funding. All research, archive audio, voiceovers, and music were sourced and paid for by myself. So if you enjoyed what you heard, please share it with your friends, leave a review, and visit our website, tomorrow.is, to donate what you can any support you can spare would be invaluable. Thank you for listening.